thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, good morning again, everyone. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. We're going to be reading from verses 5 to 13. So Romans chapter 15. As you guys are turning to that, um, really the, uh, the title of the message today is Hope is Born to the Whole World. And we had, I had such a great time this weekend. We went with some friends to, uh, to see this uh, Christmas I don't know what you, what you want to call it. It was a men's choir, and they were singing a Christmas production. And it was actually in the amphitheater at DU. And so we went there actually a little uncertain on what this was going to be because you never know when you step on a university how things are going to go. But we came in, and the beginning, the first act was a, a bad-acting Santa Claus and a couple bad-acting elves and about some, some kid who fell asleep and had a dream. And, and I, it was exactly what we thought it could have been. It was weird. And then there was a, a break. And then the second act, all of a sudden the curtains open up and there was this men's choir. And all of a sudden this man sat down with children and began to read the story of Christmas from Scripture. It was fascinating. The journey from Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, and there was a graphic in the back, and there was the journey, and then he would read from the book of Luke, and then a Christmas, they would sing a, a, a carol about Jesus, about the journey, and then, oh, holy night, and, and they kept going, singing more and more about Jesus. The friends I was with, we didn't know. I, we just wanted to stand up and just worship Jesus. The atmosphere of the room changed. And there was a sense of awe of God and a sense of the love of God and the reverence of this story. It is remarkable. It is told every year to the lost, to the saved, to the broken, all across the board. There are all these stories. And you walk into the mall and you hear a song about the, the Son of God being born in a manger. I mean, this is incredible. What a great opportunity. Well, we continue to sing. And they, and they concluded with the song, Mary, Did You Know? And I just... I just sat there and held back the tears. Mary, did you know that when you kissed the face of this boy, that you were kissing the very face of God? I mean, it was such a wonderful time. We almost took an offering, but they didn't let us do it. It was, it was like we'd had church. It was wonderful. And this is what Christmas reminds us. It's the hope of the world is among us and is available to all who are here. And the story of the birth of Jesus has been a source of hope, not just for 2,000 years since Jesus came on the scene, but it was a, a source of hope that the Jews looked forward to since the fall of man in the book of Genesis, the very first book. And the night of hope that this season represents has broken through, my friends, to every situation imaginable. It has saved and transforms lives over and over and over and over again. The story of the message of hope, a babe in a manger has healed marriages. It's brought wholeness to minds. It's healed bodies and has rescued the soul. 
And what this season represents is that God sent his son, Jesus, a babe, to become everything, to become everything that we are, so that we could become everything that he is, which is spotless, which is righteous before God and forgiven. And I believe today, I really believe God wants to confront us with a fresh sense of his hope. I actually believe God wants to deposit a big chunk of hope in all of our hearts. That it just, we walk out of here full of hope. Pant sizes staying the same, but full of hope. That he can minister to all of us, and I believe he will today. So I'm going to be looking at a passage in Romans, we all are today, that's going to help us see actually into deeper, or see deeper into why Jesus came to the earth. Before, before Jesus, there was actually a separation of people on the earth. There were these two groups of people. They were called the Jews and they were called the Gentiles. And the Jews were chosen by God. And if you were from the bloodline of Abraham, then you were a Jew and you were chosen. But if you were a Gentile and you did not come from that bloodline, you could not come into that chosenness. So the birth of Jesus was this beginning. It was the extension of God's arms to the whole world so that all could come to him, could come into this chosenness, could come and be heirs of God, to be forgiven, to be set free, to be given a purpose, to be given a life, and ultimately for us who are followers of Jesus can be a blessing to the whole world. That becomes part of our promise and that we can reflect the life of Jesus and the hope of Jesus. In Romans chapter 15, Paul is writing to the church. I want to give you a little background before we get into this. To the church in Rome, he's getting very practical. He's reminding them that they need to reflect the image of Jesus in their own church. And they need to reflect the nature of Jesus. And you need to remember what's really fascinating about this church that he was writing to. It was diverse. There were people in the church in Rome who were Gentiles. They were Jewish. Some would think, some thought you could eat certain types of meat. Some thought you couldn't eat certain types of meat. Some observed the Sabbath. Some did not. But what they all had in common was this, that they worshiped and they loved Jesus. And they gave their lives to Jesus. And so we pick up in Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 5. Paul writing to the church. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify God the Father of your Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Everyone say accept. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Say accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Again, here, here he is. He's, he's saying that there's, there were the Jews and now there were the Gentiles. And now in Christ there is neither nor Jew or Gentile that they all come into the blessings of God because of God's mercy as it is written and then he goes on to quote some Old Testament scripture here. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing hymns to your name. 
Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to his name, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and the Gentiles will hope in him. Everyone say hope. Let's pray. Father, as we have opened your word and read it, I pray that the words of it would go deep into us. That we would be changed and transformed. For in this word contains the life and the words of life. And so we submit to it today. We bow our knees to the truth of this word. Not what we feel, not what we think, not what we wanted to say, but what it says. And so we submit ourselves to it. So, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to receive from you today what you want us to receive. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. So here's the question to us as a church this Sunday morning is this. How does our church reflect the hope of Jesus? The hope that all can come and experience Jesus. The hope that was reflected in the birth of Jesus. In a manger in Bethlehem. I'm going to talk to you about two things today. I'm going to talk to you about acceptance and hope. And I'm going to talk to you about how, what, what the birth of Jesus demonstrates to us. And now this is going to be a simple message today. I was going to say it's going to be a short message, but I stopped. So it's going to be a simple message today. <laughs> it's kind of actually, it's kind of like, uh, like the pastor who came into church and he had a little bit of blood on his face and... So this guy walked up to him and he said, hey, what, what's that blood from? And, and the pastor said, I was thinking about my sermon this morning before church and, and I cut my face. And the church member looked at him and he says, well, next time, why don't you think about your face and cut your sermon? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the rest of you are like, you know, that's a good point actually. The first thing I want to talk to you today is about acceptance. Say that word with me. Say acceptance. I want to look again at verse 7 through 9. Paul says this, accept one another just as, how? How are we to accept one another? Just as Christ has accepted you. In order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. This word accept, acceptance. There's a point here that Paul is making. Just as Jesus has accepted you, accept one another. You know, we love Jesus to accept us. We love it. Oh, Jesus, accept me. Thank you. I'm so grateful for that. But, and, and here's the other reality. We know what we have. We know us better than anyone else. We know what Jesus accepted us with the stuff that was in our life. We know what we were going through. We knew the mistakes we made, but yet Jesus still accepted us. And so Paul tells the church, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. So here's the deal. How did Christ accept you? He accepted you broken. He accepted you hurting. He accepted you lacking. He accepted you with things in your life that probably shouldn't have been there and should not have been there. He accepted you in such a way. And the birth of Jesus 
It's this demonstration to every single one of us on the planet that we are accepted by God through Jesus Christ. I want to say a couple things today. One, I want to speak to individuals today who need hope and you need acceptance. But at the end of this message, I want to share a brief word to us as a church about being a church that reflects the openness of Jesus. But I want to ask you a question today. Have you been rejected? And if you have, the birth and life of Jesus offers acceptance. If there's anybody in this room today who's still suffering from the pain of rejection, which I would say is a big yes, there is. I've got news for you today. As we look at the the birth of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ opens his arms to you today. And he says this, I want to accept you. I want to accept you. That is the message that the, the birth of Jesus gives us today, that I want to accept you. Verse 7 again says this, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. You know, many people say, you know, when I accepted Christ or, uh, you know, I accepted Christ when I was a young, I was five years old. Well, the good news is this. I want you to hear this for a moment. Before you ever accepted Jesus, he had already accepted you. He had already known your name. He He knew how many hairs you would have on your head when you were 15 and when you were 85, and they might be different. And he'd already accepted you. Before you ever drew your first breath, God had accepted you, and I'll explain more. And all that means is that sometimes people in this world reject us. Maybe you didn't get chosen to play kickball as a kid. Maybe you didn't make the team. Maybe you asked someone out in high school and they turned you down and you felt rejected. Maybe you asked someone to marry you and they said no. Maybe you went for a job interview and they turned you down. Maybe your husband or your wife has left you. Maybe your children have turned their back on you and you were rejected. Time and time again in life, we are going to feel rejection. But here's the good news. Here's the great news today. Is that when you come to Jesus Christ, he will never, ever, 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 ever reject you. People will reject you. People will hurt you. Your spouse will let you down. Your job will let you down. Life will let you down. And we will be rejected. But I'm telling you, my friends, Jesus will never reject you. I want to talk to you about how the birth of Jesus also relates to us who are sinners. And the reality is this, is that the birth of Jesus reflects this, that Jesus looks for sinners to receive. The whole purpose God sent his son to the earth was to seek out sinners. Was to seek out sinners. Jesus seeks out sinners. He looks for them. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15, 1 through 2, it says this. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. 
I don't know about you today, but I am very, very grateful that Jesus Christ receives sinners. Because if he didn't receive sinners, I'll tell you this, he never would have received me. And he never would have received you. And the reason he receives us is he wants us, he wants to do something in us and with us. He wants to change us. The religious people criticize Jesus because he spends time with sinners. I thank God he spent time with the sinner. I thank God he spent time with you, a sinner. I thank God he sought me out and he called my name and he drew near to me while I was yet a sinner. I thank God that Jesus died on a cross while I was yet a sinner. I had done nothing to cause him to want to love me, but he did. Everyone in this room, whatever your age, everyone longs to be accepted. You want to be accepted, all of us do. But we have this fear actually that when people really find out who we really are, they won't accept us, they will reject us. When they learn about the mistakes of our past and our little personality quirks and we just know once someone really finds out who I really am, they're going to reject me. But I want to say to you today that Jesus Christ knows you better than anyone else ever will. He knows the ins and outs of your life and personality. He knows every mistake you've ever made. He's no, he knows every mistake you will ever make. And he still says, I love you. He still says, I want to accept you. But you first must let me. Here's the good news. He received sinners for a reason, though. Not only was the birth and life of Jesus about seeking sinners, it was because this, Jesus saves sinners. He saves sinners. He just doesn't seek them out. He seeks them out so that he can save them. Listen, this is the hope of Christmas. This is the life that we get to live every year, that Jesus seeks you out so that he can save you. He goes after you so he can rescue your soul. He went after many of us in this room, hopefully all of us, but there may be some of you here today that just you are being confronted by the goodness of God and you're not saved yet, but you realize you want what Jesus is. And Jesus saves us from ourselves. He saves us from an eternal destiny of separation from him, which is hell. He saves us from the ultimate eternal rejection. If we allow him to save us. I want to give you a good example from the Bible. Um, it seems to be that like everything I've learned in life, I somehow learned in Sunday school. That's why I love children's church. I love Sunday school. One of the great stories I've heard, I know you have, was this, uh, this good old boy called Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. You remember the story in preschool and you learned the song. It says, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Look at you. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. Then Jesus comes walking by, and Jesus says what? Come on, guys. I'm going to your house today. Jesus walks by. He sees Zacchaeus. Hey, guys, we need to get you some voice lessons over here, but good job. Anyway. Jesus walks by, Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. 
Zacchaeus, come on down. Now notice when Jesus saw this man who was a wicked, wee, little, white-collared, extortionist criminal. He cheated people out of money. He was self-centered. Remember, when Jesus walked by him, he didn't say, hey, listen, you self-centered robber, get your butt down here. He didn't accuse him. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. And what he was saying was, Zacchaeus, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to know you, and I want you to get to know me. And I have a feeling that once you get to know me, Zacchaeus, you're going to change your ways. And from the beginning of church, there has always been a misconception about salvation. That you need to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. But since I've been around in church, that's always been the misconception. Well, you need to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. Friends, if you wait to clean up your life before you come to Jesus, you'll never come to Jesus. You know why? Because you can't change your life or clean up your life without Jesus. You don't have the power to clean up your life. You don't have the power to make decisions that would bring you closer to God. You come to Jesus just as you are as a sinner, and then he starts changing you. Then he starts altering you. Because after, after Jesus had, um, had dinner with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said this. He said, man, listen, I'm a changed man. My life has changed. Jesus came to my house. I got to know him, and now he wants to know me, and I want to know him more. And all of a sudden, he began to be changed. Zacchaeus actually said this. He said, all right, Jesus, I know you. You know me. Man, you've changed my life. From this point on, I'm going to give the half the money that that, that I make to the poor. And if I've stolen anything from anybody, he said that because he knew he did steal money from somebody. I'm going to pay them back four times what I've taken from them. This man, he's a changed man. Why? Because Jesus sought after the sinner and Jesus spent time with the sinner so that Jesus could change the sinner. I would be willing to bet that Zacchaeus might even have some cousins in the crowd today. Anyone here? No, just kidding. Maybe you're in a tree of pride. Maybe you're sitting in a tree of unbelief. Maybe you're sitting in a tree of some place in your life you shouldn't be. And Jesus comes to you today and he calls out your name. And the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth was born in a manger, was sent by the Father. As a baby, because he says this, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I accept you and I receive you. But here's here's the kicker. Once Jesus comes into your life, then he'll start changing you. Then he will start changing. I want you to turn to somebody today. I think this would be a good exercise for church unity. I want you to tell somebody, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Go ahead and tell somebody. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Now, you're not, there's no buts in this. This is all you're saying. Jesus loves you just the way you are. <laughs> yeah, but if you did the dishes more often, I'd love you more. <laughs> Jesus may love you, but I'm frustrated with you. 
No, really, Jesus loves you just the way you are. But here's the reality. That's not the whole truth. It's not the whole truth. Because in the same way, you would need to turn to those same people to say this. Jesus loves you too much, though, to leave you just the way you are. He loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. In other words, you come to Jesus as a sinner. All of us come to Jesus as a sinner. He loves you just the way you are, but you can't stay that way once you become a Christian and follower of Jesus. For some reason, even in Christianity, there's this, there's this thought that, you know, I get saved and I go to church and that's where I stay. And there are things in our lives that should not be there. There are struggles in our lives that we continue to entertain. We continue to do them. And we even fight against God because we think, well, by grace I'm saved. You're right, by grace you're saved. I agree. But if you are following the voice of the shepherd, your life is going to look like the shepherd. And there's a journey that God wants to bring us on. He wants to take us. He wants to save us. But then he wants to change us. And we're going to spend the rest of our lives being changed. Because the journey from the manger to the cross was to save the hopeless, which is all of us, you and me. To change sinners. So there's, if there's anyone in this room today that you've experienced rejection, God says to you, come to Jesus because he accepts you. What does the birth of Jesus say to the world? It, it says God offers acceptance. That's something we need to remember this Christmas. Christmas, yes, it's about us celebrating the goodness of God, but it's about us being reminded that Jesus came to accept the world and that acceptance needs to be reflected through our lives. The second thing I want to talk to you today is this word hope. And we find this word in Romans 15 verse 13. It says this, may the God of hope, everyone say hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope, say hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is hope that is offered to every individual here today, every person here today. You can have hope deposited into your life. So the question, are you unsure of your future? Many of us are. Well, Jesus offers hope for you. This is what the birth of Jesus does. It offers hope for you. That God saw us in our misery and in our sin. And brought his son Jesus to bring us hope. And most people, maybe you don't know what hope really means. There's a, a worldly understanding of hope. And I'll give you a contrast. The first one, and I think they're both going to come up. But the first one is this. Hope means it may happen. This is what the world thinks. It might happen. Like, you, God, God, help me, I hope I pass this test. Or I hope the Broncos win today against Tennessee. Or, hallelujah. I hope. We don't know. It's uncertain, but we hope. And that's what we think many times when we read hope. When we read something like, may the God of hope. So what do we say? May the God of maybe. Actually, I heard a true story about a bookstore on the Ohio State campus, and um, they're not known for their, to be a football powerhouse house per se, but every week this book, bookstore that's on the campus would put up a banner when they were playing a team. For instance, when they were playing Kansas, they would put up a big 
a banner that says, kill Kansas. Well, they lost. Then they were playing Washington. And they put up another banner that says, whip Washington. And they lost. That's a true story. They were playing Nebraska, which is, we know, the powerhouse college football team and uh, great football team. So the bookstore put up a banner on the window that says, maintain dignity against Nebraska. They're saying it's hopeless, but maintain some type of dignity. This is not, they were hopeless. And God wants us to have hope. The Bible, the word hope, doesn't mean we might. It doesn't mean let's try. Hope means it will happen. Hope means it is certain it will happen. If you ask somebody, are you going to heaven when you die? And they say, I hope so. That's not Real hope. Because if you put your trust into the Lord Jesus Christ, the biblical answer is, I know so. It is certain. Because your hope is certain and sure. I'll give you a Bible verse, and you could write this down. It's not in your notes. Titus 2, verse 13. says this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. We're looking we know that Jesus came as a babe. We, knew, we know that Jesus died and rose again. And also we can look just as much as we know he came and he died and he ascended to heaven. We can also trust that he's going to come again for us. Now this is talking about the second coming. And it's not talking about something that may happen or may not happen. It's going to happen. So if you're going to know a good Bible definition of the word, word hope, it's this. It's a positive expectation. You can sink your teeth into it. If it says it, it is yours. I'm expecting it to happen. I'm positive it's going to happen. And the Bible says that Jesus is our hope. I want you to look at the next line on your notes. And uh, before we, we put the PowerPoint up. It says, where there is blank, there's blank. Now, I want you just to take a moment. I want you to fill in. I'll tell you this. One of those words is hope. You can fill in however you want it. And you can fill out the other blank. But I want you just to look at what you write there. Most people would write down or have written down where there's life, there's hope. It's the same. It's actually it's common knowledge. And um, a Roman philosopher, Cicero, said where there's hope, where there's life, there's hope. But in other words, it's kind of like this. If a, if a doctor walks into an emergency room or into intensive care, he says, okay, listen, there's still life, so there's hope. But that's not actually what the Bible teaches. Actually, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. In fact, this is the truth. Where there is hope, there is life. Where there is where there is hope, there is life. Because it's your hope that gives strength to your life. That's why it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. And here it is, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. The certainty of glory. Something you can could, you could anchor your soul to because it is true. And there's so much hopelessness out there. There's so many hurting people. Even in our own church, there's tons of hopelessness. Our own mistakes that make us feel hopeless. 
pain that we've suffered that wasn't our fault and we feel hopeless, addiction to drugs or addiction to alcohol or brokenness in our lives, the feeling maybe that God doesn't care for you, that God doesn't even know you or does anyone really ever care for me. If that's you today, I want you to know something. Yes, God does care for you. And there is hope, but you won't find hope in a broken situation. You won't find hope in broken people. You won't find hope in pills or a bottle. You won't find hope in another relationship or another marriage or, a, or another thing or another. You won't find hope in those places. You won't find hope in your friends. The only place that you will ever find hope in this world is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's the only place. And for Christians, we're never going to face a, a hopeless end. It's never going to happen for you. We're always going to face an endless hope because of Jesus Christ. Jesus says this, I accept you. And if you're unsure about the future, Jesus says, take me because there's hope. I have another word for us as a church, and that is what does this birth of Jesus in a manger, this Christmas season, what does it say to us? And as the body of Christ, we must. I'm going to share with you a couple of things the Lord's placed on my heart. But as the body of Christ, we must, number one, reflect the acceptance of Jesus. If Jesus receives sinners, and we know that he does, we as a church must also receive sinners. Look at the next line. We open our arms and doors to anyone who comes to seek Jesus. If a person is on a journey seeking Jesus, we open our arms wide to them. Why? Because Jesus did it for us. Like I said earlier, it seems that like everything I've learned came from a children's church and I apply it now. There's a, there's a song that says, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. What that song is saying is that Jesus loves every person on the planet. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you've done. And we cannot... We cannot claim to be the body of Christ unless we're willing to open our arms and open our doors to all kinds of people who come to seek Jesus. If we close our doors to people who are coming to seek Jesus, if we don't accept the sinners, then we just become a religious country club. We just become a religious society, but we can't call ourselves the body of Christ if we say no to anyone who is coming to Jesus. Whatever they look like, whatever, whatever they've done in the past, whatever their history is, if they are coming seeking Jesus, we open our arms and we embrace them and we welcome them into our family as they welcome Jesus into their hearts. That is our job as a church. Do Sinners feel accepted here. Obviously, there, is, there are people going to be uncomfortable, but people who are seeking Jesus are coming to the church to find what God has placed on their heart, and that is to seek him. 
When someone walks in our doors, do they feel accepted? Do we tell them to clean up on the outside before they can come up on the inside? Do we tell them, do this and take your hat off and go here and put, you know, do we do that? We're so concerned about what people look on the outside that we forget that God has a plan for their heart on the inside. That Jesus gave his life for that individual that walked in our, our, our church, broken, searching for Jesus, looking for someone to love them and point them to the Savior. This is what Christmas represents. The hope that was born to the whole world. The second thing that we as a church are to do is to supply the hope of Jesus. We supply it. As I said a while ago, Jesus offers hope. There are some of you saying, okay, you know, Jason, I need hope. I need some of that hope. Where can I get it? Well, it is my heart's desire that you can find it right here at Faith Bible Chapel. You can find the hope of Jesus Christ right here. And when a person who needs acceptance comes to our church, will they see the acceptance of Jesus? That's a question for all of us. Do we reflect the acceptance of Jesus? When a person who feels like it's hopeless comes to our church, will they find the hope of Jesus here? Will they find a good program with great music and donuts? Or will they find the hope of Jesus? My friends, that is the very reason we exist is to spread the hope of Jesus Christ to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, those who do not know him, and to proclaim and preach the word of Jesus Christ to the nations, to our community, and to the lost. That's why we are here. We are a Denver metro area hope store. We're a hope shop. You can go to the mall and you can buy lots of stuff. You can get online. Now, I said this last, last service. I said, Amazon doesn't sell hope. And then someone sent me a text that says, it's on Amazon, it says hope in a jar. <laughs> Very clever. Thank you, Matt Whittafield. I so appreciate that. But you can't find hope. You can't buy it. You can't, you go, you can't go and, and dig it up somewhere. It doesn't exist. And you can try to buy lots of products, but you can't buy it. The only place that you can find hope dispensed is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you and me. It's the only place we can offer hope to, to marriages that are broken. We can offer hope to parents that are trying to figure out how you parent kids. We can offer hope to the lost and whose destiny is hell. You don't have to go to hell. You can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. We offer hope to the lost, to the addicted to the hurting, that is our job as the, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what the birth of Jesus represents. And it's because we will preach the gospel of Jesus. And God, that God sent his son, not straight to the cross, but first as hope in a manger. Then hope as a man who was hope as God who was hope on a cross, who was hope raised from the dead, a hope bursting out of a grave, hope coming up with full of life and goodness, hope ascending to heaven and hope returning from heaven again. This is our hope. 
want to read this last verse with you out of Hebrews chapter 6, 19 through 20. It says this. We have this hope. Everyone say hope. As the anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So it was, he was a forerunner behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. I want to explain to you what this passage is saying just for a moment. In Bible times, and actually sometimes it happens today, before they had the technology to dredge out harbors, Mariners would come up, they came up with an ingenious idea to get a ship, a larger ship, into a smaller harbor. And when the ship would be outside the harbor, a lot of times there were lots of dangerous rocks on the journey into that harbor. They didn't know how deep it was. They didn't know what things were lying below the surface. And they would often take a smaller boat with one sailor, and they would lower the anchor into that boat with that sailor. And then the one sailor who was called a forerunner would row into the harbor. He would scout out the rocks and the depths. And he would find a place that he could anchor the boat. And the anchor was still attached to the boat through a rope. And so there was still a rope. And so he would go out and he would place the anchor. He would place the anchor there firm and secure on some rocks to hold it. Then all the ship had to do to enter that small harbor was to take the slack out of the rope. Although the ship, I want you to catch this for a moment. Although the ship was not in the harbor, it was anchored in the harbor. It was good and safe where the anchor was. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our hope. He is our rock, what we just read. He is our anchor. And there are some folks here today who maybe you've been adrift in life. Maybe you've just been floating around. You've been blown about by pain, by your own mistakes, by things you're going through, by, by situations you didn't control. And you've just been pushed and blown about And you need an anchor for your soul today. Well, Jesus is that anchor. And this is what the Bible says in that verse again. Jesus has entered the sanctuary behind the curtain. That's talking about the holy of holies. And Jesus, who went before us, he was our forerunner. The same thing that that little sailor who would sail into the harbor and take the anchor. He is our forerunner. He has entered on our behalf. And that journey began at the manger. What that means is you and I, we're, we're obviously not in heaven. We're obviously not there yet. We're here on earth. But I, I want to tell you this, that Jesus Christ, who came as a babe in a manger, is already safely anchored your soul in heaven. It's already there. And you are attached to Jesus. He is the anchor. And all of us are just like the anchor that's attached in the harbor in heaven. If you've accepted Jesus, your, your anchor has been deposited in heaven. Here's, here's the reality. We just got to pull on the rope. 
You're already saved. There is hope that is inside of you. And here's the key. We just have to stay attached to the anchor. Our hope is in the anchor. And our job is to stay attached to that anchor. We're not in the harbor yet. So I want to ask you this question today. Where is your life anchored? What is it that you're trusting upon? Where have you put your hope? Where have you anchored your life? Have you become unattached from the rope? Have you allowed the busyness of life to pull you away from your intimacy with Jesus? Have you fixed your eyes from an anchor, being anchored into eternity to your children, your marriage, your friends, your status, your bank account, my friends, they're all going to fail you. But if your life is anchored in Jesus Christ and you're attached to the rope, you're going to get to the harbor. And that is the hope of Jesus Christ that he offers us in the birth of his son on the earth. He came as hope in a manger. There's a Christmas hymn that says this, Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every searching, longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child, yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom brings. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By thine own sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.